Well, we're entering into the Christmas season and gift giving and the ultimate gift that we're focused on is Jesus. But uh, there's something about gifts. If you've ever uh, been an expectant young person around this time of year looking, for, uh, looking forward to getting those presents, and you know the expectation that is on the inside of you when you begin to uh, think about what's under the tree. Now, as a kid, what I would do is I got to a certain age where I would get the box that was under the tree. You ever give it a little shake when mom and dad wasn't looking? <laughs> what could that be? You ever try to remove the tape? ever so gently to see what might be in there, then tape it back real quick. So, Mama say, why is this one ripped? Oh, you know, hey, man, I don't know what's going on around here. You know how, you know how crazy life is and just things happen. Um, so there's this expectation of waiting to get the gift. But how many of you ever gotten the gift and then the gift becomes old to you? I mean, maybe even the same day, it gets old to you. It's under a tree for a month. You're shaking it. You're doing everything you can to figure out what it could possibly be. And then when the moment that it's revealed, it starts to get old. And I think what happens to us is some of us have been overexposed to Jesus and the gift no longer looks new anymore to us. It starts to get old. Tony Campolo describes this in one of his books. He says, I was overcome with joy. A sense of ecstasy surged through me. I loved everything. I loved everybody. The world became radiant and wonderful. A sense of aliveness permeated my consciousness. I stayed in my state of heightened awareness and sensitivity for almost three hours. Then something happened to my toy trains. They didn't break because broken trains can be fixed. Something far worse than that happened. They became old. See, I can remember a moment with my daughter. My daughter has an addiction to stuffed animals. If it can be stuffed with some kind of fluff and has fur, she is into it. And she comes to church with, she'll, and she's gotten so weird, it's like how somebody would be with shoes of like, oh, I got this. She does that with pets and stuffed pets. And so she's got this, uh, so she'll say, oh, what pet am I going to bring to church today? Hmm, I think the, I'm going to bring the unicorn kitty and the, oh, I need a little one that can stay with me at all times. I'll put it in my pocket. And, and she has all these stuffed animals with her. It's like this is her, her greatest joy. And so we're getting ready for this new baby that's coming, my wife and I. And so we went through her playroom, trying to make some room there. And then here's this big uh, laundry basket filled to the top, stacked to the ceiling with stuffed animals. And so we say, baby, 
we're going to have to get rid of some of these stuffed animals. Got your sister coming. This is what big girls do. They make room for their little sister coming through. And we've got to get rid of some of these animals. So she looks with tears in her eyes. Okay. Okay. So then we say, the real challenge, which one are we going to get rid of? So we go through the laundry basket. This one. Oh, no, not that one. My nanny gave me that one. Okay. Uh, what about this one? Oh, no, 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 no. My Grammy got me that one. Oh, no, not that one. I got that one in Branson. And she had all these memories attached, and some of which had, hadn't been out in years because they were at the bottom of the pile. But what was happening here was something unique is, is that when she saw the stuffed animals, it took her back to the moment that she received those animals. Uh, and so until she picked that animal up and got laid eyes on it, she began to remember the moment in which that she had attached herself, how she got that animal, and the memory that was attached with it. See, with every, with every moment, with every animal, there was a now that her mind went back to in which she was in the present tense moment with a good person who was giving that thing to her. She was beginning to remember the nows. And sometimes in our life, we've got to go back to the nows that we had with God so that we can take a step into the future and look forward to new nows and new moments that we have with God. See, the now keeps us engaged and the experience fresh stays off the old. So now, since I'm looking for Jesus in fresh ways, I don't come into worship wondering if the Spirit will move me enough to praise God. I come in worshiping enough so that I move God's heart that then the Spirit begins to move. Do you see what I'm saying? Because I've had so many now moments with God that I can go back to, I can step into a future moment and know that another now moment is coming with this God who is so good and wants to encounter us and meet His people. See, sometimes things just get old. And that's how life is. The work of human hands always gets old. So people would say, well, you need to get into the wonder of creation. It never gets old. How many of you have pets? Don't you wish dogs could stay puppies, but yet mature and not be a puppy, right? It's like you're hoping for something to get old, but yet wanting to stay young at the same time. And sometimes we translate that kind of same idea in our walk with the Lord is that we're reaching for the old, but yet we kind of want something new. And when we're caught in the middle between the old and the new, we can never be happy now. So there's something about apprehending our situation now 
and not looking so much to the future all the time and not looking back at our past, but in the moment of now with what I have, engaging God and enjoying Him and embracing Him now. That was the story. I had a, a pet. Uh, it was our family's first dog. It's called Rip. And uh, he's passed away. He's a 10-year-old chocolate lab. It was a beautiful dog. Had like a hundred names because at one time he was like this, uh, really had a large pedigree or something. And we got him in his older age so that uh, he would spend the rest of his days kind of with us, with the family. And uh, I can remember this time as the cutest dog. Kennedy would, could hang on this dog. She would get it in headlocks. This time she was younger, so she would ride the dog. Uh, and, and she would like pull on his ear and it just wouldn't even like wouldn't even flinch it wasn't snap or anything just the, the sweetest dog and so it really endeared itself to us well I can remember my wife and I uh, one time we were like hey it's around Christmas time I think and we were gonna go look at some Christmas lights and drive around and this dog that we had we thought you know what this is a great dog we're gonna leave it in the house And we're going to leave it in the house. Everything's going to be fine. We've done that before, a couple hours, an hour at a time. And it was completely fine. So we thought, ah, this will be nothing. Well, we end up going shopping, looking at lights, staying a lot longer than we had expected. And we get home only to find the most horrendous, I'm going to have to say piles, plural, And we walk in the house, and my wife goes, what's that smell? And I said, uh, oh, I'm sure the trash needs to be taken out or something of that nature. And we go into my daughter's room, and yeah, so my wife runs out of the room gagging. I get, have to get cleaner and clean it up, and I like to have like rubber gloves and a mask, you know. And I learned something that not only does things made with men's hands get old, but creation gets old too. And if you don't think creation gets old, have you ever been camping for a long period of time? You know the feeling you get when you get to get home and take that shower for the first time. There's a certain filth that develops on you when you're camping. A funk that so things made with our hands get old creation gets old and I begin to think about creation aging and the Bible says this that creation was subjected to futility in other words when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil they set into motion something of things getting old so that's why the world is kind of like a vase of flowers. The flowers have been cut and, and are indeed dying. But because we've got them in water, we're just prolonging the process. It was like Adam and Eve wanted to pull the good from the life, but they didn't want the life of the good. 
And many times we do that same thing. We try to pull the good from things to say, I just need the good. Just let me get the good. Let me get the blessings. Let me get this or let me get that. And the reality is we don't just need the good. We got to have the life of the good to live out the good. And so whenever we begin to take the good of things and we don't take the life with the good, things begin to get old. Creation gets old, but even more, it gets old to us. Adam and Eve picked the life of the good, refusing the life. We comprehend things, or we think we comprehend things, and so they lose their wonder to us. And some of us have seen Jesus in a manger so many times that we lost the wonder long ago and we've picked up some kind of materialism to try to apprehend something new thinking that the true meaning is just way too old see the good gets old to us and then the life dies my aunt sue is the matriarch of our family i've told this story before but i find it relevant again she was the matriarch of our family she got everybody together just this maybe 11 or 1200 square foot house middle of this big farm with pasture and cows everywhere and somehow in this small house she would get about a hundred family members packed in there and somehow there was room for everybody to sit and somehow there was always food for everyone to eat now in these times when we would go over to my aunt Sue's at this time in the earlier part of our life this was before like uh, secondhand smoke was like a big deal. So all the old timers would kick back and fire up cigarettes while you were sitting in there and your eyes are just on fire and red and you're just like, I'm going to go outside and do something, <laughs> you know. And we'd sit in that house. Nobody could turn on the TV because my uncle had the remote. And when people were there, he wouldn't watch TV like Thanksgiving like cowboys play around Thanksgiving and the whole family's like huh <clears throat> hey you think we could uh, cut that game on nah okay and so here we were trapped in this place our eyes were burning no games being shown on television and you heard the same old stories over and over and over. And I thought, this is getting old. But what was weird is, I never got old to my Aunt Sue. Because whenever we try to leave, it didn't matter if we stayed hours and hours on end, she would say, when are you coming back? You're not leaving yet, are you? And my Aunt Sue got old, but long before she got old, she got old to me. But I never got old to her.
she was the meeting place of our family. And now that she's gone, we just all do our own thing. See, something happens and we begin to switch tactics. Where we long for the new, but then once we get the new, man, where's the old? And is there ever a moment where we're just happy? Is there ever a moment where we're just content? If you Googled my aunt's name, you probably wouldn't find anything but an old address. So now I'm thinking, what's wrong with me? Why can't I enjoy the now instead of always wanting the new? And then when I get the new, wanting the old. It used to get old to me because I wanted the new, and now I have the new, I'm obsessed with the old. G.K. Chesterton talks about in his book, Orthodoxy, the way in which little children have the ability to rejoice in monotony. That's why if you ever do something with a kid, they say, do it again. Do it again, right? Have you ever did like peekaboo or peepie or whatever you called it? It's got some weird name. Uh, to a kid. They could see it a million times. And I'm like, I'm overdoing this. And they're like, well, well, more. More of the same. Right? A kid, you could do that a hundred times. And they would never flint, never say, oh, no, enough peepie, please. Matter of fact, there will be times you're over it, and they'll start engaging with it. And you're like, oh, here we go again, you know. Can't be a bad, can't be a bad parent and not enter into peepie with you or whatever. But kids have this unique thing in which they say, do it again, do it again. In other words, they're not longing for the new or they're not reaching back to the old. All they have is now and they keep saying, just do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. See, things don't get old to a little child. To them, things are always new. And that might be why Jesus says, unless you become like these guys, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because you'll lose the childlike wonder and you'll think you've comprehended it all and you'll quit entering into the now and find God there. Maybe that's why our Father's name is I Am. Not I was or I will be, but I am that I am. So I was just pointing out the way things get old. I got toys, they got old. I got pets, they got old. Went camping, that got old. Did ministry, that gets old. Made new friends, they got old. Married a bride. And now I'd like to go on to a different <laughs> point. I digress at this moment. And we're going to point out the ways in which the new gets old. And then we long for the new. And we begin to say things after we've been longing for the new and we get the new, we begin to say things like this. They don't make them like that anymore. 
right? We're so hungry for the new, but then looking back for the old. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I, I miss the 90s. I miss the 90s. Do you remember when we had phones that were attached to the wall? And if you wanted it to go further, you just had to get the long, curly, weird cord that never rolled right. It always would get... And then you get knotted, you could only go... Oh, I was telling you just the other day, I saw that, you know. Now our phones are in our pockets, and they just harass us all day long. Why? And we continuously, I mean, look at your thing. If you've got an Apple, you'll get a screen time report. And look how much time you waste sometimes scrolling, because you don't want to miss a moment. But as you're looking at other moments, you're missing that moment right then. That could be the now for you and God right then. See, when they're attached to the wall, you wouldn't get out of the car with it in your lap and the screen crack. Not, not that that happened to me or anything, but... Uh, so we're all like that. We want to progress to the new. Then we get all concerned about conserving the old. It's kind of like being thirsty. You're thirsty until you get a drink. And then while you're drinking, you're no longer thirsty. So how can we keep the desire while experiencing and engaging something that we are experiencing? How can we stay hungry when we've heard it a thousand times? And I want to submit to you the reason why nothing satisfies you and the reason why you keep reaching for more and more and think that's going to be it and when you get it you realize, well, that's really not altogether it is because you were made to experience the eternal that which is outside of time and space. That which never gets old. The gift that God gives to us, eternal life. In other words, time is no more. He even says when the city of God comes out of heaven, there's no more need for a son anymore. Because the glory of Christ is so bright, that we no longer need a light source to illuminate things that seem dark. That there will be no more darkness, no more season changing. We will be in the now forever. But it won't really be forever because it's now. Time stops. Everything stops. And we are keeping a desire because that which is eternal we can't fully grasp but we'll have eternity to try to grasp it. See, this is the reason why the seraphim are flying around the throne room and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Do you know why they're able to say that each time afresh? It's not because they're hired worship musicians. 
You know why they can say it afresh every single time? Because every single second they see a new facet of God in which they didn't see before and they're able to worship throughout all eternity with the same song and it never gets stale or it never gets old. You ever experience God in a worship song in a special way and you think, man, I'm never going to get tired of this song. And then like a month later, you're like, that... sing unto me a new song. <laughs> right? You'll never have to do that again. Because the eternal will have come. And you will no longer see darkly. I can remember when Kennedy was born. And when she was born, I couldn't immediately hold her, right? Because there's like protocol that goes on. So she got bored. And as I'm watching her be born, so it was like from like scary, crazy to like happy and joyous. And I don't know which crossed into which or at what time. But when Kennedy got born and they get her and they take her over and the nurse is washing her under the fountain and giving her the, the bath and they're just checking her and I just followed that nurse everywhere just looking with my eyes so although I couldn't hold her I was beholding her in other words I was holding her with my eyes even though she was in that nurse's hands, I was looking so intently that it was as if my hands were under her. See, sometimes when we can't feel the presence of God in our life, we've got to behold Him and begin to look afresh at Him. And when we stop looking is when things start to be getting old with the Lord. And I hear people say this all the time, man, I'm dealing with this, or I'm dealing with that, or I got this going, and I got that going. Uh, and you probe a little further, and you're, it's really disappointing. Because then you find out, well, are you in your Word every day? No. What does your prayer time look like? Well, I hadn't really done that. Do you have, I mean... So it's like there's like no engagement, no looking to see how beautiful he is, no source that he's given us to connect to, but yet still wanting the power and the presence and all these other things. And it begins to make me think um, we want Christianity, but without Christ. How does that even work? Like, what you're saying is what's supposed to happen when you don't plug into God. <laughs> it's like saying two plus two is four. Two plus two is four. Yeah. <laughs> two plus two is four. And when you stay out of God's house, when you don't press in in worship, when you're putting garbage in your eyes and in your ears, when you're not getting in God's Word, when you're spending no time in prayer, when you're not humbling yourself before God, when you're entertaining your pet sin and your sin issues, this is what's supposed to happen. Because you're filling your heart with that which is not eternal. 
and that which is passing, and so it's never filling the void in your heart. But I want to encourage you, if you will begin to behold Jesus, if you'll begin to look afresh, if you'll begin to focus your gaze upon Him, suddenly you'll find yourself holding Jesus in your hand and in your life. Man, I want to close with this. Luke chapter 2, verse 22 and 38. Read her out some, some heroes. And these are two senior citizens that have an encounter with Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy unto the Lord. Verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. See, this was the offering that they would have had to offer being poor. The offering was either a lamb or it was either a pigeon. And so as what the ceremony would hold is that Mary would lay her hands onto one of the doves, uh, transmitting uh, sins and, and beginning to uh, start the process on both of those pigeons of, of sacrifice and then a priest would take one to the southwest corner and he would wring its neck and then he would take the other one and burn it as an offering uh, unto the Lord and so this is Jesus parents doing this for him verse 25 now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in that child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom uh, of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Verse 36, And there was a prophetess named Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. And she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer day and night. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption 
of Jerusalem. Some people say that the 84 there could be interpreted as the years that she remained a widow, which could mean given uh, time she would be given her marriage, the time she was married, she would be about 105 years old, potentially. So who are those two old saints that are holding the new and caught in the moment now? And the moment hasn't gotten old, even though they are old. See, they, hold, they are holding God, but God had never gotten old to them they're basically saying I can die now because I've laid eyes on a baby it's not even 30 year old do miracles Jesus this is a baby all they're going on is a prophetic word all they're holding is potential of what could be and as they're in that moment they can say I can die now can you give your life for the potential of what could be that might not be manifested in your days, but might be manifested in your grandchildren's days? Can you see that far ahead, or are you that selfish? You can't be in the moment and say, I can stand in the potential of this moment, and I can die now because I've apprehended Christ and held Him into my arms. Your life counts. Can you imagine God giving responsibility of raising his son to people? I know me. I'm like, God, take it back, man. You got some angels that could do a wonderful job of parenting. God's saying, no. Because unless I entrust this to you, you'll never know what it is to hold God in your hands. You'll never know what it is to experience His presence. You'll never know what it is. It's like God saying, I'm willing to experience the baby being dropped so that you can experience what it is to engage with God and enjoy His presence. See, they were old, but God never got old to them. Shows up as a baby that couldn't speak a word or do anything for them. And they worship. They worship. See, they're caught up in a moment with God. They're caught up with a moment with God. And I think sometimes what happens to us is, is we forget to get caught up in the moment with God because we're not seeing it come to pass. And sometimes God in our life looks really, really small. And we're looking. But see, when we're carrying something like this that can't walk on its own, that can't do its own thing, we begin to ask ourselves, do I even really need this? This is holding me back. There's no potential here. This is getting old. I'm tired of the responsibility. 
you know what? This over here looks so much more appealing. That's why Paul says, I labor in prayer until Christ is fully formed in you. Because when you're first starting out, a lot of times it feels like just responsibility. But you got to keep tending to that thing because it's going to begin to begin to well up on the inside of you and it's going to begin to create itself something in you. You've got to dive in and just accept the fact of where you're at in your life right now and you've got to keep Jesus with you. And it might feel like a baby. It might feel small. It doesn't feel like much. But God's just saying, I need you just to hang on to it just a little while longer and let it get to the place that it needs to get. And eventually it will begin to walk on its own. But right now I need you to surrender yourself unto it. And consider it your responsibility to seek God's face with the rest of your life and all that you have. Instead of looking for a while and saying, oh, this over here is much more beautiful. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 I almost forgot. Oh, what's that over there? Oh, okay. And our relationship never gets beyond maturity because this is what we do. God's calling us to a deeper place. He's calling us to a deeper place. He's calling us to tend to our relationship as if we're holding a baby. And to see that thing grow. Can you just bow your heads with me? And can we just take a moment and just be present with the ever-present I am? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 